I have some really exciting news about this podcast, but I can't quite tell you about it yet. Just in the meantime, make sure that you're following Follow Friday Pod on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and that you're following me on Twitter at HeyHeyESJ, because as soon as I can share this news, I will. It's really cool. For now, you're just going to have to be content with one of the best episodes of the show I've ever done. Hope that's cool. Tracy Thomas is the host of The Stacks, and if you don't know her yet, then this interview is going to make you love her. And if you already know Tracy Thomas, well, then you're going to love her even more. And if you love Follow Friday, then you should join our lovely patrons over at patreon.com slash follow Friday. You're listening to the public feed of Follow Friday, which means you're going to get four recommendations from Tracy today. But to hear all five of the people we talked about, head on over to Patreon and pledge any amount, starting at just $1 a month. Today is a good day to meet some new friends. Everyone make a way. The show is a buffet of folks you should know. So let's have a swirl. Well, that's enough for a place. I'm Eric Johnson. Welcome to Follow Friday, the podcast about who you should follow online. Every week, I talk to creative people about who they follow and why. This is a guided tour to the best people on the internet, led by your favorite writers, podcasters, comedians, and more. If this is your first episode of the show, take a moment now and please follow or subscribe in your podcast app. Today on the show is Tracy Thomas, the host of The Stacks, a wonderful podcast about books and the people who read them. You can find The Stacks in all the podcast apps or at thestackspodcast.com, and you can find Tracy on Twitter at ByTracial, which is spelled B-I-T-R-A-C-I-A-L. Tracy, welcome to Follow Friday. Yay, I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you here. Well, first off, you recently passed 200 episodes of The Stacks, so yes. congratulations on that. That's Thank amazing. You. It's a lot. It's like four years. Or it's four years, but I did a few extra episodes outside of the weeklies. Well, before we get into your follow recommendations, because you're a book expert, I need your help with something. Yes. I have a lot of books, and <laughs> I am blessed to live near three great indie bookstores, which means that I keep on buying new books faster than I can finish the old ones. Yes. So if you're in this situation, I don't know if this, is, this applies to your life as well, but h- how would you decide what to read? What's your strategy? Oh, my gosh. Okay. Let's pretend like I don't have to read for work for the podcast. Right. Okay. <laughs> I like to to have a list. I use Goodreads, goodreads.com, and I have like a list of all my books and I kind of like look through what I want to read and I see what I have on hand. I don't know if you're like a very goal-oriented person, but sometimes I'll like do challenges for myself where it's like, I'm not going to buy a book for the month of whatever. And then if I do it, I can buy a book the start of the next month or whatever. But I always tell people, you should feel very comfortable putting a book down if you don't like it. Yeah. I think that gets people tripped up and it's like you start this book and then you spend like three weeks reading something that you're like, I don't even like this and I actually don't even care what happens in the end. Um, So that's always my advice. And then also I tell people, I mean, I do this myself. I have a resolution for the last three years, two years to read at least 10 minutes a day every single day. 
Oh, that's great. So you you break it up into, into small chunks. So you're just steadily making forward progress with, exactly. with your reading list. Yeah. yeah. And like I read a lot more than that, but there are days where I only have a little bit of time. And I said 10 minutes, but I really mean 10 pages. That's my goal. But I do tell people to just do 10 minutes because they might not have like reading for work, as I mentioned. So that would be my advice. <laughs> the, the reading list, it's, it's, it's daunting. I look at the bookshelf and it's like, the reading list is so long. I want to read that. I want to read that. I want to read that. And it can be paralyzing, you know, yeah. if you don't have a goal, if you don't have an incentive, like you're saying. So that, that's super helpful. Yeah. yeah. And put your phone on airplane mode. Ooh, smart. Yeah, that helps. Do you, you, you say you, I mean, you read a lot for your podcast, for your mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. But when you are reading for fun. What is a surefire genre of book that you're like, yes, I am going to love whatever is in this genre? Okay, my go to this is like very specific, but I like a book that is nonfiction about a crime and or cult type situation. (laughs) So I don't like true crime like Johnny murdered Jenny. I don't like that. But I like Johnny ran a scheme and 20 people died. Like, that is Uh. my jam. And I like it when it's written in investigative journalism style. So, like, Bad Blood, the book that was about Mm -hmm. Elizabeth Holmes is a favorite. Uh, There's a book called Empire of Pain that came out last year about the Sackler family. Um, There's a book I... I'm obsessed with about Jonestown called A Thousand Lives by Julia Shearers, uh, a book about Columbine by Dave Cullen that came out 10 years after the Columbine shooting. That's like kind of my favorite little niche is like a crime occurred, but it was bigger than I'm taking revenge or like I'm a serial killer. I don't that's yeah. not so much my thing. A little bit too basic. Yeah. Yeah. And what, what about are, are there any genres where you've tried it and you're just like, I just can't with this genre where you just can't, you can't find make it work for yourself? I am not big on horror. Mm. I've not tried it too much. I just I don't I don't like scary, which I know sounds crazy given what I just said to you. <laughs> but like, I don't like to be scared. I like a thriller sometimes, but I don't like Mm -hmm. just like scary stuff. Same with movies. Like, I'm not going to watch a scary movie with you. Never. I think scary books are worse than scary movies because the books, your imagination is filling in all the gory details. Movies, maybe the director is especially good at traumatizing you, but (laughs) most likely your brain can do much worse. (laughs) Yeah. And with books, you're you're spending such a long time. Like a movie, maybe you're spending like an hour in the actually stressful part, but I don't read super fast. So like I will be spending like many hours in the scariest parts of books. Like, no, thank you. Get me out of here. <laughs> Let's get out of this horror content. Let's get into some fun people who Tracy follows online. You can follow along with us today. Every person she recommends will be linked in the show notes and in the transcript at followfridaypodcast.com. It's Final Friday. Tracy, before the show, I gave you a list of categories and I asked you to tell me four people you follow who fit in those categories. Your first pick is in the category someone you have a crush on. And you said Jason Reynolds, who is on Twitter and Instagram at Jason Reynolds 83. Jason is a New York Times bestselling author of novels for young people. How did you start following him? Oh, my gosh. OK, so Jason tweeted that he listens to an episode of The Stacks, our beloved episode, speaking of horror. And I was like, oh my gosh, who is this? Like I had like knew who he was, but I didn't know who he was. And I was like, let me go look up this person. And then I found him and I was like, oh my gosh, what a babe. 
And <laughs> then I like started reading his books and I was like, oh, okay. So not only is he like very handsome, but he's also like so incredibly talented. And then he came on the stacks and I got to be in the same room as him and he smells really good and he's so nice. <laughs> and on our episode, he talked about how much he loves his mom and like how much he loves young people. And he's just like the dreamiest dreamboat ever. I normally would be embarrassed to talk about a crush, though I have so many, but I'm like publicly on record as like Jason Reynolds is. If I wasn't (laughs) married, I would be inappropriately aggressive towards him. (laughs) Does uh, your husband, does Mr. Stax know about about Jason? And Mr. Stax (laughs) also has a crush on Jason. Everyone I know knows about I told my mom she has to be in love with him, like everyone. But yes, Mr. Stax is in love with Jason as well. Good, good. Okay, well, at least it's all out in the open there. That's good. (laughs) But yeah, to to what you're saying about the way he talks about his work, this is a thing he says on his website that I loved. On his about page, it's titled, Here's what I plan to do, not write boring books. And he says, quote, There are a lot of young people who hate reading. I know that many of these book haters are boys. I know that many of these book-hating boys don't actually hate books. They hate boredom. And I love this because I remember being in school, I went to school in the 90s, and I somehow absorbed this idea that books were a chore to Mm -hmm. get through, Mm -hmm. because they were assigned chapter by chapter as homework, and it took me years to unlearn that attitude. So, like, yeah, I I suspect maybe it has to do with the types of books that are assigned. I I don't know. Do you you run into this in your own work, in your own life? A little bit, yeah. I mean, I don't do a ton of young people books, though. Anytime Jason releases a book, I'm like, please come back on the podcast anytime you'd like. I'm available day (laughs) or night. But I do know that, like, for a lot of young people, reading is not fun because the books are boring or I'm black and I know a lot of black people and a lot of the books are by white people. And when you're a kid, it's like you want to see yourself in a book. And as a woman, like a lot of the books, you know, Catcher in the Rye, it's a no for me. Like, I just don't care about that guy. Um, And so I think that sometimes in school, we're being asked to read books that just like don't resonate with us and who we are. And like a lot of kids aren't reading contemporary books often. And you know, like when I was in school, I was also a student in the 90s and 2000s. And like we weren't reading the books that came out in the 90s and 2000s. We were reading old stuff. And that feels boring sometimes, too. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was thinking about this with um, so I went to you know public high school, but it's kind of, you know, de facto segregated the way that a lot of public mm-hmm. school systems are very white, almost no black people in the school. And so I think the first time we ever read a book by a person of color was like, ninth grade it was the biography of frederick Douglass, mm. and because we had not had a ramp into other types of writers into non-white writers i think we just were not prepared to have an interesting conversation to to talk about you know this great american person right. uh, just because we, we were not primed we were not trained over the course of our reading to read a more diverse slate of authors you know yeah Yeah, I think that's very common. And I think like what's so great about what Jason does, because like, you know, he's he is very handsome and he's tall and like all of those things. But his passion is writing for young people and writing books that they are going to love. And he loves kids. And like that part of him is just so it oozes out of him. Like if you ever hear him talk, he's always talking about he's like, I write books that center black kids, but I write for all kids, you know, and he's like writing these books and he he'll talk about like going to different schools and like how the kids ask him the most cool, interesting questions. And like he always wears or pretty much always wears like a black T-shirt, black jeans, 
a sneaker, maybe a leather jacket. And he has dreadlocks. And he talks about how when he goes into these schools, he wants kids to know that like success can look like him too. He purposely doesn't wear a suit or have like, you know, hair that's considered I don't know. They have some horrible word that they use for hair for black people. That's like appropriate. I don't even know what they call it anymore. But he's like, I'm coming into your school and I'm saying I'm a New York Times bestselling author and this is what I look like and this is who I am. And like, I'm chill and read my books. But also like if you hate reading, you hate reading. And like it's on me to write books that you'll like. And so just all of that is just so cool and attractive, not just physically, but like he's a he attracts people like he's so magnetic. Can you tell that I'm in love? A <laughs> little bit, a little bit. <laughs> like you said, you you interviewed Jason Reynolds on your podcast, The Stacks, and uh, other than how good he smells, what's something else that came out of that interview that surprised you? Okay, so Jason's been on the show two different times. Mm-hmm. Technically three times. And so the first time is when we met in person and he smelled good. And what I took from that conversation, he talked a lot about sort of his background as a writer and what we were talking about before. He said he didn't ever really read a book until he was like 18, but he didn't realize that he liked reading. But then it dawned on him because he liked reading liner notes from his favorite albums. And he's like, oh, this is a poem, right? Like, oh, I actually do like reading. So that was one of the things that stuck out the first time. And then when he came back earlier this year, we talked a lot about grief. The book, the newest book is called Ain't Burned All the Bright. And it's sort of about 2020. And it's about, you know, the fires and COVID and the George Floyd uh, inspired protests that all had to do with sort of this attack on the respiratory system. And so we talked a lot about grief in that conversation. And that really stood out to me because I've been thinking a lot about grief and how a lot of us are grieving and we don't maybe even know it and we don't know how to process it because maybe we didn't lose a loved one, but maybe we're grieving like a past life or a future version of our life that we thought would be something that it's not. So, I mean, all of that sticks out. And also he's just such an incredible conversationalist. You talk to people, so you know, not every interview is the greatest. And Jason makes it feel effortless. Like he's just so open and thoughtful and has such a gift with words that it's like, I just sit there and I'm like, wow, you're perfect. What a dream boat. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that was Jason Reynolds, who is on Twitter and Instagram at Jason Reynolds 83. And you can check out both of his appearances on the stacks. It's final Friday. Let's move on to your next follow. Tracy, I asked you to tell me about someone you don't know in real life but want to be friends with, and you said Shay and Laramie Serrano. Shay is on Twitter at Shay Serrano and on Instagram at Shay.Serrano, and Laramie is on Instagram at Laramie Serrano Photo. Uh, Shay's name is S-H-E-A, Laramie is L-A-R-A-M-I, and their last name is S-E-R-R-A-N-O. And with this, Shay will be entering the Follow Friday Two-Timers Club, since he was previously recommended by Gavin Purcell back in October. But Tracy, what has been your experience following Shay and Laramie online? Like, why do you want to be friends with them? Okay. Do you follow Shay? I do. I have a long-time follower of Shay. So, okay. I'll still explain to people who don't. Shay's the freaking coolest guy (laughs) on the face of the earth. He's so cool. He is a sports pop culture writer at the ringer previously at grantland first of all he's one of the most talented writers i think out he writes exactly how he talks which is incredibly Mm -hmm. difficult to do for people who don't understand he writes great pieces and i love that he has identical twin boys and then a baby i also have identical twin boys 
So I love that about him, though that came later. He has like this group he calls the fuck out of here army, F-O-H. And <laughs> basically he got all of his followers to give him money for like little things. And then he takes the money and like donates it to homeless shelters or like foster care organizations or people who like food banks or whatever. But he does it in this way that's just like, hey, guys, buy these bookmarks. And then six months later, he's like, by the way, we raised one hundred thousand dollars with these bookmarks. I paid the artist. Um, I took whatever I needed to pay for my rent. And then we donated eighty thousand dollars to dolphins without borders or whatever. And you're like, holy <laughs> shit. and it's just like really cool. He just like does cool shit like that. And is just so chill about it. And he's hilarious. I remember exactly when I started following him. He had this tweet that was like, text your friend, your sister, your husband, whatever, Super Nintendo, and then <laughs> see what they say or something. And it was like a lyric. It was Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis. Sega Genesis, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like he, people kept sending him the screenshots of like the responses. And I thought it was so funny. And I just started following him. I don't remember what year it was, but it was like the happiest part of my day whenever it was. And I was like, this is so funny. I have to follow this guy. Um, <laughs> he's got podcasts. He's got a great podcast called No Skips. So I love Shay. And then because I love Shay and his wife is Laramie and he loves Laramie so much. And he's like so loving towards Laramie. So I was like, let me follow Laramie. And then she's fucking cool. And she like builds tables and her and the baby, which is the youngest son, the non-twin, they're really close. And then the baby's really funny and cute. <laughs> Just the whole family is like goals for me. Obsessed, obsessed with them. I, I think I mentioned this in the episode with Gavin last year. But yeah, Shay does for people who have bought one of his ebooks on Gumroad, he has like a secret email list where he will just send out occasional updates on his family, just like funny <laughs> stories about the twins or the baby or whatever. And it is no joke one of my favorite email newsletters. It, it, it shows up completely unexpected, just middle of the day, once every couple months. And his writing, as you said, is so damn good, so good. that he, he makes what could have been a banal story into just like incredible entertainment. <laughs> oh my God, I forgot to say, he also writes books that I mean yeah he's got movies and other things basketball and other things hip-hop and other things and then the first one was the rap yearbook and he also came on the stacks after movies and other things and that's a funny story so I tried to get him on the show his like team was sort of whatever non-committal but I follow Shane I've been following from years and I was like okay shoot your shot so I went yeah. to his book event in LA super pregnant with my twins and I was like hey I'm very pregnant with twins, mono died, just like your twins, whatever. And he was like, oh, ha ha, whatever. And I was like, I'm Tracy. I'm the host of the sax. He's like, oh, I know who you are. And I was like, will you come on the show? He's like, I'm on book tour for two weeks. Here's my email. Send me an email in two weeks. I'd love to do it, whatever. And then he came on the show and it was just Aww. like, he was as cool as I thought. He, I was, I hoped he would be because he seems yeah. like that in light on, on the internet, but you never know, you know, right. and like, but it seems super genuine and like, just love, 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 love him. Yeah, so he came on to talk about movies and other things. And I think since then, his most recent is hip hop and yeah. other things. Yeah, that hip hop and other things came out in 2021 and then movies was in 2019. So if, if you were having him back on the podcast today, you know, a lot's changed in 2019. What would you want to ask him? What, what would be top of your list for questions for Shay? Oh, my gosh. I don't know. I mean, I probably asked him about the book, duh, but I probably asked him some twin parent things because having identical twins is like its own special kind of parenting hell. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I might ask him about that. Um, and I maybe would ask him about podcasting because he wasn't podcasting 
he might have just started with the villains show that I think didn't last very long. So I would maybe ask him about that, too. And then I would ask him if he wanted to come to L.A. and hang out also just while we're at it. Well, yeah, yeah. I was going to ask, like, if, if he if he called you up and said, hey, Larry, me and I are coming to L.A., you know, let's do something on Saturday. Where are you going to take them? What are you going to do with them? Oh, my gosh. My favorite restaurant where I take everybody is called Petty Cash. They have the best margaritas. Okay. I love it. So I would probably take them there. Um, if it was like everybody, the kids and stuff, maybe we do like a beach hang. I don't know. Backyard hang. I, I just want to kick it. So like nothing too serious. I just want to talk to them and like have a great hang. Yeah. Uh, before I move on, is there uh, anything else you wanted to say about Laramie? Like anything you wanted to, oh, to mention? Oh, yes. Okay. I, so I love Laramie because I love that she's like got a totally different energy than Shay. So like he'll be talking about something and then she'll be like, look at this fucking guy. But also <laughs> she went back to school to be like a therapist, which I think is so cool because she's like 40 or 41. You know, she's a mom of like two 13 year olds and like a seven year old or something. And she was like, you know what? I really want to do this. I've been wanting to do this. And she went back and she did it. And she's just like so badass. But also like Shay, she's not like hashtag inspiring. She just is. And it is inspiring. So she that's why they both feel like people I want to be friends with because they don't feel like influencers or like online people. Yeah, they just feel yeah. like very normal and they live in Texas, like they're not in L.A. or New York, like they're just like doing their own thing. And I love that they love each other, like the whole thing. I love they love each other. I love that they eat at like Wingstop sometimes. Like it's just so <laughs> approachable and so like regular that it's just really endearing. It's kind of like Jason in a way where where it's like, you know, Shay is a many best selling, many time best selling author and all this stuff. And he's just kind of like a regular, it seems like a regular fun guy, fun hang. He's on Twitter just encouraging randos and his mentions to shoot their shot and, you know, go chase their dreams. I mean, I love it all. Yeah, same, 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 same. <laughs> Well, that was Laramie Serrano and her husband, Shay Serrano. Laramie is on Instagram at Laramie Serrano Photo. Shay is on Twitter at Shay Serrano. We're going to take a quick break now, but we'll be back in a minute with Tracy Thomas from The Stacks. Today's show is brought to you by Lightning Pod, which is the podcast studio behind Follow Friday, but we also help other podcasters too. Whether you're starting a new podcast or you want help with an existing show, Lightning Pod can help you with editing, copywriting, website design, interviewing technique, improving your audio quality, and so much more. We've worked with everyone from solo creators to startups to huge established companies. So check us out at lightningpod.fm. That's lightningpod.fm. It's Follow Friday. Welcome back to Follow Friday. Tracy, let's move on to your next follow. I asked you for someone who makes the internet a better place, and you said Kiese Lehman, who is on Twitter and Instagram at Kiese Lehman. Kiese is spelled K-I-E-S-E. Lehman is spelled L-A-Y-M-O-N. And Kiese is another new entrant in the Two-Timer Club, because uh, after this, you should go listen to the episode with Shima Oliai for more about him. But Tracy, the floor is yours. I want you to tell us about why Kiese Lehman is so great. Okay, wait. Before I do that, I have to tell you about Shima's episode. Please do. I had made my list and I was like, I'm going to go listen to some older episodes of Follow Friday. Check it out. I go to listen to Shima's and I'm like, 
did she take all of the words out of my mouth about Kiese? <laughs> so then I, Kiese and our friends, and I text Kiese and I was like, we're in a fight. And he was like, why? <laughs> I was like, because you are making everyone feel like they're your best friend. And I thought I was your best friend. And now I'm realizing maybe Shima and I don't even know you. Maybe this is all a scam. We're not even friends. And he was like, you need to calm down. We're all friends. <laughs> but I just was like so mad. And like, I, you know, I went to my husband and I was like, Mr. Staggs, Kiese's everybody's friend. I thought I was his friend. <laughs> oh my gosh. Anyways, but why does he make the internet a better place? Go listen to Shima's episode. She's going to say all the things that I should say, but I'm going to say other things because I don't want to do a total repeat. He's an incredibly good writer. His tweets, mm-hmm. his Instagram posts, his everything. It's like, that's a tweet. For most authors and writers, like their best shit is in books and his best shit is in books, but also he's putting great shit into tweets. I'm like, how are you so talented? He also comes at so much with this lens of compassion, revision, love, but also again, not in like a very stereotypical way, but in like a he's very rigorous with all of those things. And so there's like a tenderness and a humor into the way that he approaches what's going on. And like, I can't think of the exact tweets, but like, um, I remember after the Derek Chauvin verdict, you know, I had been really torn about it. And, you know, Kiese is an abolitionist, a prison abolitionist. And he had, you know, written in the Colin Kaepernick anthology this, that just came out called Abolitionist for the People about abolition. And so I was like, what's he going to say about this? Because it's hard to be like, I don't believe that the police or prison should exist. And then also to feel like victory because this person murdered someone, you know, like it's just like a very mm-hmm. difficult thing. And he had this great right. tweet that was like, I don't believe in any of this and I don't believe in any of that. But I also feel like I'm feeling something, you know, and like he's just always approaching the things that are really complicated in a very vulnerable and open way. And then if he hates it later, he'll delete it. And he's like, this is part of revision. And I think that's cool, too, because people don't. People are like, oh, I got a thousand retweets. I got to leave it up. Like, right. No, you don't. You should take it down <laughs> if it's a bad take or if it could be better or whatever. So I love that. I also love his like his like these videos usually disappear, but he does these like really funny videos on Instagram where he's just like talking about something for like two minutes. But like he doesn't understand technology at all, which is also hilarious. Like his like Instagram stories are just like repo. He's always like, I don't know. Did I do it right? I have no idea. But he posts these (laughs) videos where he's just talking to the audience and he's just like, man, this shit is dumb, blah, blah, blah. And then he like deletes it 20 <laughs> minutes later or like, right. And I'm also a huge sports fan. And so is Kese. And so he'll talk about the Lakers, a team that I despise. I'm from Oakland. So I'm a huge Warriors fan. And like, he'll talk about how horrible the organization is. And I, there's just, it all makes me laugh. And like the way that he approaches it is just different. You know, it's like the different jokes. He's thinking about the same things we're all thinking about, but in like a better way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's interesting that you, the way you said that he wasn't sure how he felt about Derek Chauvin. Like he, the, he was acknowledging in public spaces his conflicted feelings about something. I feel like we don't see a lot of that in yeah. any form of writing, but certainly not on Twitter, not on social media, where the expectation is you know, the people who are going to get retweeted, they have a hot take, they have a mm-hmm. definitive expert mm-hmm. you know, analysis. And so it's really refreshing to have someone who is a deep thinker of a really smart person to saying like, hey, I, I don't, I don't really know how to feel about this. Like, I, I got a lot of conflicted feelings about this. Just 
having someone who's prominent and respected and a talented writer acknowledge, I don't really know. Mm-hmm. I think that that's incredibly inspirational to me. I agree. I feel a freedom myself to be less sure because I have seen Kiese practice that publicly. And I also want to say the other thing that he does that I cannot be ignored is that he uplifts so many authors, mostly, you know, other black and brown authors. Um, He's a professor. So he, you know, has students who have books that have come out, you know, since he started teaching them, like Adam Serwer, who was one of KSA's students at Vassar. But he's always like tweeting about and sharing and telling people about upcoming books by, you know, debut authors and like People don't do that a lot in the book world. You know, like people might do it for their friends, but Kiese will legitimately like read a book by someone he doesn't know and be like, this was good, you know, and like, that's really cool. Yeah. And he'll tell me, he'll be like, yo, are you up on this? And I really appreciate that too, because he's a person that I know and trust. And he's like constantly putting his energy behind, like uplifting other people who he thinks are doing good And like, if that's not making the internet a better place, I don't know what is. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Well, last thing about Kiese is that you recently had him on the stacks during a series about banned books because his book, Heavy, acclaimed, you know, book, Heavy, was banned by a school board in Missouri for being, quote, obscene and pornographic, mm-hmm. end quote. Mm-hmm. What are some of the things you learned from talking to him and other authors whose books have been banned? I, I think it's fascinating that we are, we are in this this culture war moment where we are, you were able to do this series. We were able to talk to authors, living authors, whose books are, are being censored in this way. Yeah, it was cool. I mean, to echo something that Shima said about Kiese, about how he like encouraged her a bunch whenever she had an idea, that's the same thing that happened with me with Band Books Week. I text him on a Saturday and I was like, I have this idea. I think it's really corny and dumb. Should I do a week on Band Books? And he was like, yo, that's the best idea you've ever had. And I was like, okay, <laughs> ever? Like, I hate you. It's not ever. I feel like I've had other good ideas. Um, but he was like, do it. And I was like, okay. And he was like, I'm available if you want me on. And I was like, I do. We'll figure out how, but I want you on. But what's going on is so horrible. And it's all connected. So like the banned book stuff is connected to the don't say gay bill, is connected Mm -hmm. to all of the anti-trans legislation, is connected to not wanting your children to wear masks in schools, is connected to not having any legislation that protects kids in school from guns, is connected to drinking water in Flint. Like all of this stuff is deeply connected. But to be able to talk about it with the people who are impacted by it most directly. So, you know, I ha- in this series, I had on authors, I had a politician, I had a Virginia state senator, I had a student, I had a teacher, I had a librarian, um, I had three authors and people should definitely listen, but it's coordinated what's happening and it's having a really horrible impact on black and brown students and queer students, but also it's having a really bad impact on white children because it's telling them that being uncomfortable is something that they shouldn't be and that they shouldn't feel. And that's not correct. 
school is the place to feel challenged and to feel uncomfortable and to ask questions and to be brought out of your comfort zone and sometimes to like feel a little bit of embarrassment or shame. I certainly felt that in school and I would like to think that I'm a better person because of it. I'm a more compassionate person because of it. And this idea that like white kids or straight kids or cisgender kids should not feel that is so damaging. Yeah, it sucks to have your identity invalidated by your government for sure. And that harm is really real and long lasting. But I think people also forget that we're harming all the kids. It's not just the trans kid or the black kid or the Korean kid or whatever. Like it's everybody is getting screwed by this. And the parents, these parents need to know how to talk about this stuff too. You have a kid, you have a responsibility and you don't get off the hook because Toni Morrison made your kid feel bad about slavery. Like if your kid's feeling bad about slavery, talk to your kid about it. Don't shit on Toni Morrison. Like what's wrong with these people? But anyways, not to scream at you, but here I am. (laughs) She makes me so heated. Uh, You're preaching to the choir. Yeah. In my bookshelf, my intimidating bookshelf of books I haven't touched yet, uh, I, I have both volumes of Mouse. And as after that got started getting banned, I'm like, okay, it's time. Have it's, you it's read really it yet? The top of the list, not yet. No, it's so, it's a fast read. You can do. I mean, it's a graphic nonfiction. I'd never read it, and I had a copy, and I read it really quick. I, it's, I mean, it's great. It's really good. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler yeah. alert. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, everyone says it's great, except except for a few people who don't want us to teach the Holocaust for some reason. Exactly. All right, well, that was Kiese Lehman, who is on Twitter and Instagram at Kiese Lehman. It's Final Friday. We have time for one more follow today. Tracy, I asked you for someone who has stopped posting but needs to come back, and you said the New York Times podcast Still Processing, hosted by Jenna Wortham and Wesley Morris. And to this, I say, hell yes, love this show, <laughs> gotta come back. Uh, for people who don't know, explain what Jenna and Wesley do on Still Processing. Okay, so Jenna and Wesley are two black queer culture and technology writers at the New York Times magazine, and they talk about cultural things in the smartest way possible. It's not an interview show. Sometimes it is, but it's not like an interview show and it's not two friends talking. It's a little more stylized, heightened than that. I don't know even know what you call it. It's sort of like closer to how they do code switch maybe um, where it's like they're having a conversation and there is some like authentic back and forth, but it's also, you know, sort of a mapped out journey of the episode. Right. And They talk about all sorts of stuff. I was a big fan of Wesley Morris from his Grantland days. And so I, as soon as they mentioned the show, I started listening from episode one and it's so good. I mean, their lens again is black queer journalist. So things skew kind of into that world, but they have an incredible episode on Beloved and the movie Us, which is so good. The um, Jordan Peele movie. It's such a great episode. Early on, they had an episode about immigration This was right after the Muslim ban and they had three women on who were somehow impacted by or could be impacted by or their families were impacted by the Muslim ban. That was a great episode. They did two episodes on racism, but it was through the lens of anti-Asian racism um, and different, you know, Asian people from across Asian backgrounds and scope. So it wasn't like generally Asian, but people were speaking specifically to their experiences as a Filipino or a Korean or a Chinese American or someone who was mixed or whatever. So that was really cool. And then they did an episode, my favorite, I think, of all of their episodes on the movie Parasite and 
Thomas Jefferson's Monticello and they like compared these things. And I think the episode is called Wake and it was like about woke culture. So those are some of my personal favorite episodes, but the show is just it's so good and they have fun and you can tell they love each other, which is just so sweet. And they did an episode on Kanye that was so great. Did an episode on Aretha Franklin after she passed away that was so great. Just like thinking of all the episodes. I'm such a super fan. And the thing that I hate the most about the show is that they do it in these chunks, these like seasonal chunks. And in the beginning, they did like a lot. And now they do like six at a time. And they're due for a reprise, but I think Jenna's on sabbatical and she's working on a book. And I think Wesley's working on his book. And I hate them for it because I want them back <laughs> in my ears, though I know that, you know, they'll come back and it'll be great. And I'm happy that they're working on their things and that Jenna's getting a break. But I also am like, what about me, Jenna? <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing with like some of our favorite creators. It's like, yeah, we want you to be able to go on vacation. We want you to be able to go write a book. We want you to go enjoy your life, but also feed us constant, you know, yeah, exactly. constant deep trenchant analysis of everything. Like um, the, the Aretha Franklin episode you mentioned, that was far and away the best summation of why Aretha Franklin mattered. I like it after, after she passed away and everyone was kind of, you know, rushing to mythologize her to talk about her, her import i mean that that episode uh go, go listen to that one i uh, there's also one that i think that jenna did about michael jackson's music mm-hmm. and conflicted feelings about you know problematic artists i mean there's so much good stuff in the still processing so feed good. so if you have not listened i think it's you should go back you you will not you will not be wanting for for content yeah yeah it's so good and i have to say so when i started my show i made a list of dream guests that included, you know, Barack Obama, Oprah Winfrey, Michelle Obama, um, but also on the list were Jenna Wortham and Wesley Morris. And I have had Jenna on the show and I cried because I was so excited. I was like, I'm so happy you're here, but I still haven't had Wesley. So I'm hoping that his book comes out soon so that I can have him and I can just tell him how much I love him also. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> let me tell you when I started Follow Friday I also made a list of dream guests and let me tell you Jenna Wortham and Wesley Morris are also on that list yeah. so <laughs> they're, I mean they're dream guests they're dream they're dreams and Jenna was a dream she was so kind and gracious and lovely right and I think I think she and Wesley were really hugely influential to me just as someone who's trying to like sort out how I feel about culture and internet culture in specific because there's a lot of mainstream cultural analysis that is just like, here's the new funny meme or here's what happened on the most recent episode of The Bachelor. And there, there's a place for that. I don't I don't dismiss that out of hand. But I, I love the way that Jenna and Wesley, they, they take these things that are happening in our in our world. And as you said, they chart out a course thinking through it and, and around it, if that makes any yeah. sense. Like they really unpack the different layers of cultural phenomena in a way that I think is better than, than anyone else out there. Yeah, I agree. I, I think how they do it, it's less like what they're doing, but it's like how they're doing it. You know, everyone's talking about these topics yeah. at some point, but it's like they take the time to exactly. sort of figure out a way to make it interesting. Like I said, Parasite and Thomas Jefferson's Monticello. Like, I don't know a lot of people that are drawing lines between those two things, but they made it work. And I was like, right, of course. How come we're not all talking about Parasite in this way? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's fusion of two things that are a perfect match, but that 
are not an obvious match. Yeah. And yeah. Okay. Love them. Love them. Come back to us. Well, so yeah, if if the Times said, okay, we we've heard your pleas, still processing is coming back. What's on your list of what do you want to hear Jenna and Wesley talking about? Uh, like what what topics do you think they should tackle next? I mean, I'm sure that they would do a really interesting job talking about what's going on in Russia and Ukraine in a way that would like be very different. And maybe like what's going on with the African students who are having difficulty getting out. Like, I think there's probably something there. I am personally a huge fan of The Bachelor, and I would really love for them to talk about that show and that franchise and like what's going on there. What else? I'm trying to think of the things that I'm like really into right now. But the other thing is like what I like about the show is that they talk about things and it's not always like what I'm expecting. And then I walk away loving it. You know, like it's like, oh, we're going to talk about this random thing. And I'm like, okay, cool, whatever. And then I'm like crying. (laughs) 40 minutes later, you just cannot imagine how you didn't know about this thing. Exactly. (laughs) So I I trust that whatever they would do, I would love. I mean, there's maybe been like five episodes that I was like, that was good. But everything else, I'm like, this is the best podcasting experience of my entire life. So (laughs) and good is like high praise for me. I'm so critical. So good is like an A, you know. Well, that was Still Processing, a podcast hosted by Jenna Wortham and Wesley Morris of The New York Times. It is good or sometimes perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Tracy, thank you for sharing your follows with us today. Before we go, let's make sure listeners know how to find you online. Where do you want them to follow you? Okay, so you can follow me at Bitracial on Twitter, B-I-T-R-A-C-I-A-L. You can follow The Stacks on Instagram at The Stacks Pod and then on Twitter at The Stacks Pod underscore. If you are looking for book recommendations, book reviews, anything bookish, definitely head to The Stacks on Instagram. And then, of course, find the show wherever you listen. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, search for The Stacks will show up. I've got episodes with all sorts of really cool people. Like we said, 200 plus episodes. So I'm sure at least one book you've read or heard of. Most episodes don't have spoilers. If there are spoilers, I'll let you know that in the show notes. So yeah, those are the places you can find me. And yeah. Perfect. (laughs) And you can follow me on Twitter at HeyHeyESJ. And don't forget to follow or subscribe to Follow Friday in your podcast app. If you like this episode, then check out the past Follow Friday interviews with Gavin Purcell, Shima Oliai, and Franklin Leonard. Follow Friday is a production of lightningpod.fm. Our theme music was written by me and performed by Yona Marie. Our show art was illustrated by Dodi Hermawan. Special thanks to our Big Fry Patreon backers, John and Justin. Visit patreon.com slash follow Friday for an extended length version of this interview featuring a bonus follow recommendation from Tracy. That's all for this week. This is Eric Johnson reminding you to talk about people behind their backs. And when you do, say something nice. I'll see you next Friday.